Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Would you pray with me? Lord, would you find us faithful? That is the hope of the gospel. And uh, Savannah has offered up our cry to you. May you find us faithful. Lord, as we hear your word proclaimed, may you open our hearts and minds in ways that uh, let us receive it and be transformed in ways that uh, lead to faithfulness, that lead to, uh, to you. We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I've read somewhere between six and 700 books since I moved to Kentucky. I, I track them in a the software. I don't get all of them in there, but uh, there's somewhere between six and 700. Um, most of them were mandatory school readings. Uh, I've done a, a few different series that are just my own. You know, there was that one January where it was straight through Harry Potter. There was the... Um, uh, what's that Hunger Games series? I read all those. Um, I, I've read a lot of things. I, I'm pretty versed in theology and scripture and biblical studies. And I'd like to think that I am uh, able to integrate all of that knowledge uh, and bring it to bear at every moment uh, of every day. But that is just not the case. Uh, I'm going to let you in on a little preacher secret that if you uh, watch now, you'll never forget. Whatever we're reading in the moment is the thing we talk about. Uh, I discovered this when we started, when I started at Andover. I was reading a bunch about the minor prophets, and lo and behold, every time I was talking to somebody, it was about, look at what the prophets tell us. Uh, towards the end of the fall and the beginning of the spring, uh, I, I was working with our theology group and our discipleship intensive group talking about the nature of the Trinity. And literally at every turn, shockingly, it, it was time to talk about the nature of the Trinity. Uh, how is God all-inclusive Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, but three distinct persons? How is it not like a shamrock or like water, ice, and vapor? How is it not like a father, employer, dad? How is it uh, not these things? At every turn, that was available. Right now, I'm, uh, Sarah and I are leading this Epic of Eden study, and we're preaching through First Peter. Shocker of all shockers, I find myself talking about uh, God's story through the lens of being uh, the people of God and the presence of God and the place of God, which is the Epic of Eden kind of framework. And I find myself talk about uh, being rooted in our new birth, finding ourselves with a living hope through Christ's resurrection, because this is what we've been talking about. Uh, I find weaving in uh, stories about what it means uh, to love people that the world might be transformed. That's not, that was Tom's message to us. I find myself talking about... Uh, my desire for the church to be uh, redemptive in the world, not irrelevant or revolutionary. I find myself talking about what it means to, zeal to be zealous for good. Sarah told us last week that that's uh, something like Micah 6.8, to love justice, to be mercy, and to walk with God. And she told us how uh, we could draw on Jesus and, and see his picture of uh, lowering the lofty, lifting up the humble, and drawing near the marginalized. And shocker, that's the things I've been talking about all week. 
I'm not referring back to Pelican's uh, history of Christian thought and the rootedness of Credo as the first Christian uh, creeds. We talk about what we're reading about, and First Peter has just been all over the place, and I'm, I'll be honest, I'm kind of ready to be done with it. It's a bit of a bummer. It's not nearly as fun as the Gospels in terms of the, uh, the clear, like, ah, oh, Jesus is just right there. It's not got the, like, um, the, the fieriness of the prophets. It's got a lot of, hey, suffer, endure, live with it for as long as it takes. It's this book that we talked about at the beginning is rooted in Christian persecution by Rome. That they're uh, constantly being chased and pursued, even to the point of death. That they're being uh, kicked out of their homes and sent abroad, sent abroad. This is the foundations of the whole story of First Peter. And the leap from that context to our context is huge. Yes, we're in the middle of a global pandemic of epic proportions. It looks nothing like any of us have ever seen. And yet it's not persecution. It's such an easy leap to want to make, right? Oh, we're going to suffer just like they suffered. No, we're not. It's totally different. But yet there's still a word for us here. And so I'd love to dive into the text that Sarah read for us and see where we have to actually move from their context to our context and where we can simply say, amen. Dear friends, don't be surprised about the fiery trials that have come upon you to test you. Uh, these are not strange happenings. This is fully located within the context of the church and the Roman Empire. These fiery trials that are happening as Roman persecution happens to uh, Jewish and Gentile Christians alike. Don't be surprised. They're not strange. You know, uh, talking about things that preachers are talking about, Epic of Eden, uh, Sandy Richter two weeks ago talked about uh, we talk about being upset about bad things happening to good people. She said we ought to be shocked when good things happen to good people. That in our story, things have gone so wrong that we should expect bad things. They've gone so off the rails that, that we know things aren't right. The author of 1 Peter seems to have that in mind. Don't be surprised by these. But instead, rejoice as you share in Christ's sufferings. You share his suffering now so that you may have also have overwhelming joy when his glory is revealed. The author here seems to root this in the idea that Christ's suffering is the righteous suffering on behalf of the unrighteous. And so it's a call to Rome, to the Christians of Rome, to suffer on behalf of the unrighteous. Tom preached on this, that if we suffer well and we endure those trials and we do it with love, that the world is going to be changed. And when I say we, I'm in them. Because we're still reading their context. The church in America is not being persecuted. We're not enduring the same suffering as Christ in this moment. We need to turn off the news and whoever is saying whatever about government officials asking us not to meet in person. Friends, the church has never closed. We've stopped meeting in a building, but we have doubled down on the ministry of Andover. 
If, I, if we thought for a moment that the government was telling us not to meet and persecute us, we'd be in our robes downtown Lexington ready to say that this isn't right. So we don't even have that context here. But yet we're called that this is a word for us to share in Christ's suffering. You may have overwhelming joy when his glory is revealed. You know, lately I've been almost wishing for some persecution, for some fiery trials. In this world where Christianity has gotten fairly lukewarm and fairly uh, irrelevant, I've been wanting the world to look at us and go, man, look how different they are. This is bizarre and this is strange where we have to actually stand firm in what we believe so that God might be glorified. It's bizarre sounding, but it's actually what I've been having come out in my soul from this first Peter study is this desire that we would be so transformed that this world who doesn't really care about Christianity would think it's strange. Because we know that Christ has experienced that suffering and Christ has modeled what it means to endure it. And so my hope is that it comes upon us and then we endure, that we stand firm in the midst of that suffering because standing firm has been rewarded throughout Scripture. The psalmist this morning in morning prayer, Psalm 66, uh, starts with this generic, sing praise to the Lord, sing his thanksgiving, and then turns to this individual, for I know the things I've been through, the refining that has happened, the way I've had to endure things that are not right, and the ways in which, God, you have been with me. So I will sing your praises. The people in the early church stood firm in the midst of persecution. The Spirit of God testified to their spirit, and the church just blew up in massive ways, spread to the ends of the earth overnight. Because if you are mocked because of Christ's name, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory, indeed the spirit of Christ, rests on you. As we head towards Pentecost, we know the spirit of Christ rests in each one of us. But there seems to be this special way in which the spirit of Christ is fully present and testifies with those who are actually being persecuted, being mocked for their faith. I don't know about y'all, but uh, my faith has not caused me any consternation in the world at large. Um, it has not uh, invited testing in the Colosseum. It's not uh, made me have to leave my home. It's not made me have to uh, run away in fear. We've seen quite the opposite even in these days. We've seen major corporations figure out that they can actually uh, help churches and make money by us. The number of uh, emails I get every week of, hey, look what we could do for your church in the midst of all this. It's shocking. Actually, it's not shocking. Y'all are getting all these emails too, right? Uh, every company you've ever done business with is emailing you right now and telling you how they can make your life better. But companies who have nothing to do with the church have recognized. have recognized that. It's a bizarre passage to sit in the midst of pandemic of everything being different and yet our context being totally opposite. But I love that uh, it jumps into chapter 5. It skips over the section uh, where the elders are supposed to uh, 
kind of be good leaders and the young people are supposed to respect their elders. The lectionary, for some reason, doesn't want us to talk about that today. Uh, but it's the whole context for what is to come. It's uh, ask the younger folks in the community to listen to the wise counsel of the elders. And then in verse 6 of chapter 5, it says, Therefore, therefore, humble yourselves under God's power so that you may raise up in the last day. He may raise you up in the last day. It's setting this example that for as much as we tune to the elders, to those who are spiritually wise and who have led us, how much more do we need to turn ourselves to the very God of the universe? This one who created us in his image and saw us to be very good. This one who, despite our sin, has journeyed with us throughout his story. This one who has pursued us over and over again. How much should God be the one that we turn to in the midst of everything? This one's easy to, to jump context. In the midst of their persecution or in the midst of COVID, why would we turn to anywhere but God? And I think I've seen that. It's been so neat to watch the Andover community come together in different ways throughout this. These morning, noon, and evening prayers we've been doing uh, have been uh, a lifeblood for maybe 30 of us uh, to, to gather just hour after hour. Some days we come and we say, how can we pray for each other? And there's you know, one prayer request. And sometimes there's 30. It feels like they go on and on. We've gathered together in the midst of this and humbled ourselves under God's power. Throwing all your anxiety onto him because he cares about you. Doesn't take much uh, context to make a jump on that one, does it? Cast your anxiety onto, you, onto him because he cares for you. Uh, anxiety has been very real for very many of us since the beginning of this. And it's changed throughout it, right? At the beginning, it was, uh, uh, you know, what I heard from a lot of my friends and family is, what if it's going to be like Italy here? In many ways, it's been far worse than Italy here. The New York Times ran the front page with a thousand names on it, and it took the whole front of the page. And that's about 1% of the people who have died in America from this. 100,000 people. I think anxiety is to be expected Early on, we couldn't find toilet paper or hand sanitizer or bleach. And there was a legitimate fear of what do we do if we can't find any of these things? Then they told us to close the churches, to stop going to restaurants. And that created a new anxiety. For a, f a few weeks there, we kind of just had a, a steady path of just living in unsureness. So that's a new kind of anxiety. And then they tell us, we think things are kind of leveling out. Let's open everything back up. That creates a new kind of anxiety. Friends, if you think your pastor struggled about closing our buildings and moving our worship into other ways, uh, know that the move to reopening is far more stressful. Um, we are absolutely having to turn to God with this anxiety to cast it upon him and know that he can hold it. You, as your work begins to maybe think about reopening or as you uh, maybe come off furlough or maybe you are now looking for a job as things begin to open up, are going to experience new kinds of anxiety. And the invitation is to turn it over to God. Not that it's going to disappear, not that it's going to be better, and not that you might not also need to talk to some professionals. You absolutely might need to. 
but invite God to hold that with you. Because he cares about you. Be clear-headed, keep alert. Your accuser, the devil, is on the prowl like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the truth. Do so in the knowledge that your fellow believers are enduring the same suffering throughout the world. Amen and amen. Uh, told Janelle this morning, it's nothing gets you excited about preaching like there's some devil on the loose. Um, it's weird. It's strange. Sarah's out here in the congregation about to laugh because it's weird to talk about the, the, the devil on the loose. Uh, I was about to go off on the sidetrack that y'all don't even want me to go down. But the devil is real. The forces of evil are real. And they absolutely transcend context. Friends, if you thought our world was divided before this pandemic, we ain't seen nothing yet. And the devil has found a foothold into dividing the world and his church. It's going to take some serious resisting, fleeing from him and turning to God to get through all this well. The devil has found that if we can align with our political party, if we can align with every one of our beliefs, if we can align our church with all those, he gains power. Friends, he is working in and through our political beliefs to drive a wedge into the church. And we are not going to let that happen at Andover. We're not going to let it happen at First Church. I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Anarchist, whatever you are. We are going to root ourselves in the gospel of grace, the living hope that Christ is raised from the dead, not what some party tells us is the right way to move forward. We are going to get on our knees and avail ourselves of the means of grace and seek God's will for what it means to be a spirit-filled, water-washed people who are growing in holiness together. Friends, the devil is on the prowl and we're going to resist him. I'm not, I'm not thinking we're going to be letting up on any of these special means of grace we unveil in ourselves. I'd encourage every one of you to log into noonday prayer and evening prayer tonight. Get on morning prayer tomorrow. Because if anything, we need to double down now in prayer and cast every anxiety before the Lord and invite those friends who are on that call to, to hold it with you. These things are real. But the church is so much more real. The power of God is so much more powerful than the power of evil. You know, we talk, I talked about um, what we talk about is what the preachers talk about. I keep coming back to a moment that Holly Maddenly actually brought up in one of our Tuesday morning Bible studies that has uh, completely changed how I think almost every sermon it's this picture from the Bible project of heaven and earth uh, and how after Eden, heaven is out there and earth is over here. And how in, in the power of the resurrection, as the spirit is poured out and the church is given birth, little drops of heaven begin to form wherever we are. Friends, this world needs lots of drops of heaven dripping in in the midst of the evil that is happening as the devil seeks to divide us and to tear down what God has built, we must stand firm, cast our anxieties before God, and love one another.
After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, the one who called you into eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself restore, empower, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the glory forever and always. Amen. I can picture uh, the author of 1 Peter preaching this to his secretary or her secretary as as they're writing and getting excited about uh, this final part of the sermon. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, the one who called you into eternal glory in Christ Jesus will himself restore, empower, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the glory, power, and forever and always. Amen. Friends, that's the truth. And that's the end of this entire message of Peter, that God will restore all things. It's the end of God's story. I'm a, I'm a broken record. God's story doesn't end with the here and now. It doesn't end with us dying. And it doesn't end with us going to a cloudy heaven. It ends with our resurrection bodies being raised up, filled with our spirit, and the whole world renewed. It ends with Babylon, Rome, whatever, the powers of sin and death being overthrown and new life as heaven comes down to earth and God dwells in our midst. And friends, every one of you gets to point people to that. As the devil seeks to divide and destroy us, as the politicians seek to, seek to make the church out to be a pawn in their discussion, you get to point people that Christ will come again. And when he does, everything's going to be right because the people of God will be in the presence of God, in the place of God. Friends, there is a living hope. Peter started with it. We are born anew. We have this new birth through a living hope through the resurrection of the dead, through the resurrection of Christ. We got no sense of their context, what it means to be persecuted, but we have a whole lot of sense of what it means to endure right now. So friends, endure well. Follow Peter's wisdom. Cast your anxieties before God. For he cares for you. And then look forward to when God will make all things right. When uh, all things will be made new. Lord, as much as I am ready to be done with 1 Peter and move back into the Gospels, there's absolutely a word today. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we are thankful that from the moment of creation until the moment of new creation, you are faithful. That your character has remained the same that you do not change. And yet even as you remain the same in your essence, you sure journey with us and respond to how we mess up. That time after time after time, you pivot with us and pursue us. That you pour out grace, this very good gift that we don't deserve and you offer mercy this very freedom from that which we do deserve Lord on this Ascension Sunday we're so aware that you have ascended and reigned that Christ as Lord means no one else is Lord help us remember that in the days and weeks ahead that 
you reign. You receive our prayers and you act on our behalf. Lord, receive our anxieties and our fears. Pour out your spirit in abundance that we might stand firm in the face of the evil one. That we might not let his division harm us. May we be your church very united in the proclamation that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. May we bear witness to your kingdom breaking in and may we declare that the year of the Lord is at hand. And Lord, tend our hearts and souls as we wait for that time when all things are made right. As we look to the time when there is no more pain and no more suffering. There is no more death or tears. Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, amen and amen.